good morning and happy Easter and want to welcome each of you here this morning, especially guests that we have joined us. We're so glad uh, of all the churches in this area that you could have gone to this morning. You chose to be with us here at Greenwood and we're so really thankful for that this morning. We want to welcome all those who are joining us uh, via our live stream uh, service this morning. Thank you for taking time uh, to join in this morning. And our prayer today is that you'll simply worship the Lord in spirit and in truth and push away all the things that society has attached to Easter and you'll return to God's word today and we'll be reminded of what Easter is really all about that God loved the sinful and dying world and sent his son to die in our place and with the resurrection power he brought Jesus Christ out of the grave and because of that friend there's hope today there's freedom that can be found only in Christ because he lives. And so let's worship the Lord uh, today. But let's go to God in prayer now, and let's ask for his guidance, his leadership over this service, over our hearts and lives today. Let's pray together at this time. Father, we give you thanks, God, for this day. Father, for your faithfulness. Father, while we were yet sinners, God, you sent Jesus Christ to die in our place. And Father, there were some broken-hearted disciples. There were some confused people who didn't understand. But Father, we're so thankful on the third and appointed day, victoriously, Jesus Christ came out of the tomb. God, he's still alive today. And Father, with nail-pierced hands, he's there today, with uplifted hands, praying blessings down upon us, interceding for us. For those who are here today, who are listening by way of the Internet, who've never been saved, they've never turned and trusted Christ. The person who is here, who is listening today, that has been saved, but they have unrepented sin in their life. They've fallen out of fellowship with you. Father, we pray they'll turn today and they'll, they'll leave here with a right, restored relationship. Father, I pray that you will bolster our faith today. You'll sheer us up, those of us who are seeking daily to walk with you. That Father, we'll, take, we'll stop, we'll take inventory. We'll make sure that there's nothing within our life spiritually that Satan can build a stronghold upon or to use to cause us to stumble or turn away in our commitment that we might not finish well. Father, we just simply pray that as we sing this morning, God, words won't mindlessly uh, just come across our lips, but Father, truly we'll think about, we'll engage uh, with our heart, what it is we're singing about. And Father, that we'll magnify and glorify the name of our risen Savior and give you thanks, God, for all the freedoms that we have because our Savior lives. It's in his precious and holy name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Brother Scotty, please. Let's all stand because he lives. We can face tomorrow. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along the narrow way. He lives, he lives, 
salvation to impart. You ask me how I know He lives. He lives within my heart.
knew what was waiting him as the journey that had taken thousands of years descended into deep shadows. Powerful religious and political forces aligned to destroy him. One who had posed as a faithful follower portrayed him for the price of a slave. But first, the Lord would eat the Passover meal with his friends. He had one more opportunity to show them his love and prepare him, prepare them for the coming day. In Gethsemane, he prayed alone. The first drops of blood that he would shed on our behalf trickled down his brow as he surrendered to his father's will. Soldiers arrived to arrest him and the long night of trial and torture began. He was sentenced to death by crucifixion. He was stripped and mocked. And then he carried his own cross up the hill of Golgotha where he opened his arms submitted to the nails in his hands and feet and laid down his life willingly in your place and mine. I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet. My body bound and drenched in tears they laid him down in Joseph's tomb the entrance sealed by a heavy stone Messiah still and all alone oh praise the
Suzanne, Scotty, everyone involved. Praise the Lord for all the Christ-honoring music uh, today. I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles this morning on this Easter Sunday morning and turn with me to the New Testament book of Philippians this morning. Philippians chapter 3. We'll begin to read in verse number 8. Philippians chapter 3. And we'll begin to read in verse 8. And this morning on this Easter Sunday morning, I want to speak to you on this subject, Because He Lives. Because he lives. Philippians chapter 3, we'll begin reading verse 8. I'll invite you to stand, all those that can and are able in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's holy, inspired, infallible, and inerrant word. We're in Philippians 3, beginning to read in verse number 8, the Bible says these words, Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means... I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or that I am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind 
and reaching forward to the things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that your precious Holy Spirit would challenge us and speak to us today. God, with a simple heart and a simple prayer today, God, I ask this. That if there's someone in our midst today, who if they died today, they'd spend eternity in a place called hell. Because they've never experienced the freedom that can be found through Jesus Christ from sin's penalty. God, I pray that they'll turn and trust you today. Father, I pray if there's someone here today, lost or saved, that is bound today by sin's possession over their life. Father, it's an addiction, a habit. God, there are things that you've called us to do that they're not doing either from laziness or that they haven't fully surrendered their life to your lordship. God, I pray they'll experience the freedom that can be found through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ to do those things and not do those things. Lord, that you've called us to do and not to do. And Father, I pray you'll encourage your people today in the midst of what is a difficult day to live. For one day, God, the freedom we're going to have from sin's presence as we sweep into your presence for all eternity. God, speak to us through your word today. Holy Spirit, have your way in every heart. God, help us to focus today to the voice of the Holy Spirit and what your will is for us. And we'll give you thanks, God, for what you're going to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And I'll invite you to be seated. When the Apostle Paul uh, wrote a letter to the church at Corinth, who was plagued by challenges and hardship, much of it self-inflicted, he reminded them of how the church had been founded, how they came to have a personal saving relationship with Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, begin to read in verse number 3, the Apostle Paul says this, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Well, the New Testament, the canon of the New Testament had not been uh, placed together at that time. What Scriptures was the Apostle Paul talking about? Well, one of those was Psalms chapter 22, beginning to read in verse number 12, a messianic psalm with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The psalmist began to prophesy about what Christ would do on our behalf, what he would experience. Verse 12 of Psalm 22, the psalmist writes, Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like raging and roaring lions. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a pot shared. My tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them, for my clothing they cast lots. In the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 10 wrote these words, prophesying of what was to come that Jesus Christ would do for us. He says, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. That is, he'll die, but he'll live. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper at his hand. 
He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. It is what Christ died for. He would live again to see the benefit and the fruit of. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great. He shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul into death. He was numbered with the transgressors. He bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. That's, those are the scriptures that Paul had been taught as a young boy. He had known them his whole life, but he didn't know the man that they were written about. When he went to Corinth and began to speak to them and to share what he had already experienced, he shared the message of the gospel that Christ came, Christ died, and that he rose again. The book of Acts gives detail that for 40 days after Jesus rose from the grave, he moved about, he ministered, he prepared his disciples for ministry that was to come. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Christ gave the mission to the church. He told them what we were to do after he ascended. He promised Acts chapter 1 that power was going to come. Listen to me this morning. The same resurrection power that raised him from the tomb was going to come and was going to empower them to have spiritual life, to have freedom from sin's penalty, to have freedom from sin's possession. And then one day, ultimately, the angel said, as you saw him go, you're going to go up too and you're going to have freedom from sin's presence. And so they waited for 10 days. And the Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 2 that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, the Holy Spirit came and the church was born. And the Bible says the church began to be faithful to what God had called them to do. They began to share that message that Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, how Christ had came, how Christ had died. And if men and women would repent, that is to turn from their sin and trust Jesus Christ, they could be saved. You continue to read in the book of Acts, chapter 8. You hear about a man, Stephen, who was murdered for his faith. And the Bible says in Acts, chapter 8, verse 1, now listen. The Bible says, now Saul was consenting to his death. And at the time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they all were scattered throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen, who had been martyred for his faith, to burial and made great lamentation over him. But now listen to what Acts, chapter 8, verse 3 says. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. There was a man by the name of Saul who moved about and began to share the gospel. Listen, and, and the people who came to faith in Jesus Christ, he was seeking to have them thrown in prison. But this same man, Acts chapter 9, the Bible says, hey, listen, look right up here. The Bible says in Acts chapter 9, that same man was walking one day to a place called Damascus to find more Christians that he might throw in prison. But he had a head-on collision with Jesus Christ. And Jesus began to speak to this name by the name of Saul. And he began to talk to him and to challenge him. And he called him to turn. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 9 that Saul turned from his sin. By faith he said, Lord, what will you have me to do? And that man Saul experienced spiritual life. God not only changed his life, but he changed his name. And he became the Apostle Paul that's writing this book that we're reading now of today in Philippians chapter 3. In Acts chapter 16, the Bible says that he and some of his friends had gone to Philippi. A woman by the name of Lydia had been led to Christ. Now listen to me. And while in Philippi, they shared the gospel. 
And many people were saved. Well, it got the lost people so stirred up that we're beginning to lose money because people were being saved. They threw Paul and Silas in jail, the Bible says, because of their faith, which was a fulfillment of what Jesus Christ told them was going to happen. He says, you're going to suffer many things because of your faith in me. But a church was planted there in Philippi. Well, Paul later would continue to minister. Stay with me now. Paul would continue to minister. And then one day he was going to be placed in prison again. Well, the church continued to grow there in Philippi. Some problems began to arise with inside the church, disputes among the people. There was opposition on the outside of the church. And so through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to these Christians in Philippi to encourage them and help reestablish and center them in what ministry was really all about. And it's about a personal, saving relationship with a risen Savior to know Him and to make Him known. And in part, in Acts chapter 3, he begins to remind them of some freedoms that can be found in a risen Savior. Three freedoms that he showed them and reminded them of. Number one this morning, he reminded them what I'll share with you this morning. Because he lives, there is freedom that can be found from sin's penalty. Freedom from sin's penalty. This same Apostle Paul would write in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, listen to me, that the wages of sin is death. There's a penalty for sin. God said the soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. That's the penalty. I know we're living in a day where people say, well, that's not a sin anymore, or that's outdated, or that's not right. But listen to me. What the Bible says is right is right, and what the Bible says is wrong is wrong. And it'll always be wrong. And there's a penalty for that sin. The Bible says it's an eternal separation from God in a place called hell. Look what Paul says in verse number 8. He says, yet indeed I count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Paul says, all the things that I had in my life, who I was, what I did, the things that I had accomplished, he said, I count all of these things lost. Literally, he says, I turned from everything that I might have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. What are the things that he, he turned from? Look at verse number 4, Philippians chapter 3. Paul says, though I also might have confidence in the flesh, that is, if salvation could be found, if freedom could be found from sin's penalty through what you can accomplish in your body, Paul said, I'd be saved a hundred times over. He says, if anyone else thinks that he may have confidence in the flesh, that is, what he can accomplish through a religious matter, he says, I'm more so. Look at verse number 5 of Philippians 3. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church. He said, I did what I was supposed to do as a good Jew. Christianity stood in, in direct opposition to the Judaic religious faith. Paul says, I was a zealot for God. What he thought was right, but it was wrong. He said, I was persecuting the church concerning righteousness, which is of the law. He says, I was blameless. He says, I did everything the Bible says I was supposed to do. I stayed away from everything the Bible says I wasn't supposed to do. But Paul says, listen, this. but what things were gained to me, these I counted loss for Christ. Paul says, I was a good religious person. Friend, he was like many people in the South. Listen to me. If Paul would have grown up in this area, he would have been a member of a Baptist church his whole life. He would have had a mom and daddy that drug him to church from the time that he was born. 
He would have gone to every Bible school, every Sunday school class. He would have known every verse in the Bible, knew the number to every hymn, knew the bylaws in the church frontwards and backwards. He was involved in all things that had to do with the church. He was religious. He would have even put on his Sunday best and showed up to an Easter service just like this. But the difference is this, friend. He didn't have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. He was religious, but he was lost. Paul was bound by sin's penalty. He says, I counted all these things lost. In Acts chapter 9, when he had a head-on collision with Jesus Christ, and Christ confronted him about his sin and said, why, 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 do, you, why do you persecute me? Paul's like, I'm persecuting the church. No, you're persecuting me. Why have you not received me? Why are you living in sin? Paul says, I pushed all that aside. I repent. I turned away from everything that was sinful, and I bowed my knee to Christ's lordship. Continue to look in verse number 8. He says, yet indeed I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Now that word knowledge in verse 8, listen. It's, it's not about what's behind your eyes. Okay, your gray matter. Paul's not saying that I might have a mental understanding of him. That word in the original language means to know through personal relationship. He says that I might not just know about Jesus Christ, but that I might know him personally. And friend, the only way the Bible says you can know Jesus Christ personally and not just know about him is through repentance and faith. Luke 13, 3, Jesus himself said, except you repent, you'll all likewise perish. That is to concur with God that you're a sinner. The Bible says that all have sinned. The Holy Spirit will convict you of that. Friend, listen, I can never make you feel bad enough about sin that's in your life. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. And you've got to concur. If the Bible says you're a sinner, the Holy Spirit bears down on you that you're a sinner, you've got to concur. But then you've also got to confess. And say, Lord, I've, and we live in a culture today where everything else is everybody else's fault. It's never mine. Friend, I want you to know on the authority of God's Word, all the sin that you've committed in your life, it's not the government's fault, it's not the county's fault, it's not your family's fault, it's not the school system's fault, it's your fault. You've sinned. You've got to confess, and you've got to concur, and you've got to own that sin. That's repentance. And then by faith, Romans 10, 9, 10, you must trust Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life. Listen to me this morning on the authority of God's Word. Jesus himself says there will be many people in, in the day of judgment who were religious, who came to Easter services, who were members of churches, but they'll spend forever in a place called hell because they knew about him right here, but they never received him into their heart as Lord. In Acts chapter 9, the Apostle Paul says, Lord, what will you have me to do? See, freedom from sin's penalty can only be found through a personal knowledge of Christ. When you turn from sin and you trust him to be Lord. Look at verse 8. He says, yet indeed I count all things lost, all my old life, all the accomplishments, all the position I had in the world. He says, I count all these things lost. And friend, I want to remind you again, listen, when Paul's writing this, He's not sitting like some retired pastor from a megachurch at Club Med with his Ray-Bans on. He is in chains. He is riding from a prison cell because of his faithfulness to the gospel. 
He says, I count all the physical freedom that I had, all the accomplishments, all these things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my, what's the Bible say? Lord. He was Lord of his life. Not just his Savior. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Paul recognizes, he knew this. He quoted when, he, when the Apostle Paul wrote through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Romans chapter 10 and verse number 13, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He was quoting Joel chapter 2, verse 32. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Even somebody as big a sinner as Saul was can be saved. And friend, listen, even somebody as big a sinner as you and me, praise God, can find forgiveness and experience His grace and mercy. You can find freedom from sin's penalty. Paul would go on to write in Romans chapter 8 and in verse number 1. Listen to this. He says, There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. According to the Holy Spirit. Listen, the Bible promises when you repent of your sin and you trust Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Verse number 9 of Romans chapter 8 says this, friend, Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not is. So it's not about whether you've been baptized. It's not about whether you've joined a church. It's not about how many Bibles you have in your house or how good of a patriotic American you are. The question, friend, in the, the, when you draw your last breath that determines where you spend eternity, it's where the Holy Spirit lives within your heart. And the only way the Holy Spirit can ever live in your heart is if you repent and by faith trust Jesus to be Lord of your life. And Paul did that. He experienced that freedom. He would write in Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 3. When you come to know Jesus Christ, listen, you die and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And then so because of that, look at verse number 9 of our text in Philippians 3. When God looks at you now, he no longer sees, in Paul's case, Saul who stood there and watched a blameless man, Stephen, get his brains bashed out with rocks. He no longer sees the guy who drug people out of their houses because of their faith. Friend, listen, I don't want to make you feel bad, but look back on your life. Look back for just a moment on some of the things that you wish that you'd never had done, that you'd never said and you'd never thought about. Don't dwell on it long, but I want to encourage you in this. Look at verse number 9. Paul says, and I, he says, I count all that loss. I count it all as rubbish, verse 8, that I might gain Christ and be found in him. Listen to me. When God sees you, he doesn't see all those things you just thought about. He only sees the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. Isn't that great? Friends, you can't find that anywhere else. That's only in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I count all those things lost, that I might be found in him, verse 9, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ Jesus, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Paul says, you'll never find freedom from sin's penalty, which is a separation from God in a place called hell for all eternity. You'll never find freedom from that penalty except for faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life. Not from the law, not from doing... You can never do enough, you can never say enough. There's not enough things you can ever do, friend, to pay for your sin. Jesus paid for your sin on the cross. 
God raised him from the dead. And that resurrection power can set you free and will set you free if you'll simply call upon him and trust him to be Lord of your life. It is righteousness, the Bible says, that is received by faith. Received by faith. Number two, I want you to notice, not only is there freedom that can be found from sin's penalty, but there's freedom that can be found from sin's possession. Look at verse number 10 of our text in Philippians 3. Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Paul says that, that, that I may know him, not only positionally, that is, when, when you repent of your sin and you trust Christ, now, Colossians 3, 3 says, For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That means positionally, look at me, when God looks at you, when you turn from sin and trust Christ, no longer does he see the sinner that you once were. No longer does he see the lost person that you once were. He sees positionally who you are now in Jesus Christ, and that is a child of his. That's who he sees. But Paul says, not only positionally do I, am I able to know God, says, but I'm also to know him practically. Verse number 10, that I may know him. Practically, how that resurrection power can help me in my life. Remember, Acts 1-8, Jesus gave the church a mission. All right? And they probably all stood around and looked at each other like, well, how are we going to do this? We're scared to death. He said, listen, you're going to receive power. There's power that's come. The same power that raised me from the dead, Jesus said, it's going to come and it's going to live in you. And 10 days later, friend, it came. It lived in the hearts and God turned on the lights. They came alive spiritually. And God empowered them to be able to move and to be faithful and to share the gospel and to live lives of faithfulness. You can have freedom from sin's possession. Now listen, when you repent of your sin, that's just the first step. You, 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 you must concur with God that you're a sinner. You must confess your sin. You, by faith, trust Jesus Christ. But listen, if, if you really repent in your heart, the Bible teaches that there's going to be change. You're going to have a new heart and a new desire. Listen, you're going to begin to want to serve God. Things you didn't want to do before, now you're going to want to do because you're going to have a new nature. It's the power of the resurrection that's made available to us. Listen to what Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 1. Begin to read in verse number 19. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 19. Paul says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places? Paul says the same power, listen, the same power that we just sang about, the same power that rolled the stone away, the same power that breathed life into the dead body of Jesus because the wages of sin is death, the same, the same resurrection power, Paul says, that, that brought Jesus out of that tomb. He says it lives in our hearts and it breathes in our hearts and it gives us the ability to stay away from things we're not supposed to be a part of, but also to do the things we're supposed to do, to have freedom from sin's possession. In Romans chapter 6, verses 12 through 14, the Apostle Paul would, would write about the battle that rages within the life of a believer. Paul says, the things I know I should do, listen, he says, I find it so easy, 
not to do. The things I know that I'm supposed to do, since I find it so hard to do. Because there's a constant battle between the flesh and between the Spirit. But the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, listen, it frees us to accomplish what God has called us to do. Great story from the New Testament, one of my favorites, John chapter 11. Jesus had three friends, Matthew, I mean Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. And you remember that Lazarus had died, and he'd been dead for four days. And they were so upset, and they were so brokenhearted that Jesus didn't show up on time. But for this purpose, he waited. And you'll remember that Jesus came, and he said, you know, take, roll back the stone from, from where you've got him. And Jesus, you know, took a deep sigh, and he was brokenhearted. I believe that he was going to have to bring him back from what he experienced. And you'll remember he said, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible says the one that had been dead began to step forward in grave clothes. And there he was just coming out. He had, he had life. Lazarus was alive now. But there he was, bound up in those grave clothes, and he couldn't move. He had life. He'd been set free from the penalty of death. But you remember what Jesus said? He looked at that body that was wrapped tightly in those grave clothes, and he said, loose him and let him go. See, Lazarus couldn't live the life. He couldn't be the example that he needed to be because he was bound by those grave clothes. And friend, listen, I'm telling you, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ will set you free from your past. It will empower you to do what he has called you to do today. And it will empower you to stay away from what God has said we're not to be involved in as believers. There's not just freedom because he lives that can be found from sin's penalty. But friend, there's... there's Freedom that can be found from sin's possession over your life. It's the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that sets us free. Look what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 12. He says, salvation is just the beginning. Come to know Christ. Paul says, not that I've already attained. And friend, listen, by the point that Paul, by the time Paul had wrote this letter, listen, he had probably already accomplished more than all of us in here put together will ever accomplish in our life for Christ. So this was a man who had done great things for God. He says, not that I've already attained or I am already perfected. Paul says, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. He says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching toward those things are ahead. He says, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now listen, this was a man who was in prison for preaching the gospel. And he says, I can't wait to do more for God. Do you know what the average church member would have done? Well, I just quit. I've got church hurt. I had my feelings hurt at the church. Now, I'm just, I'm not going to serve anymore. Friend, listen, it's the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that sets you free from all those fleshly responses, friend, that keeps you focused on what it is that God has called you to do so that you can keep moving forward in Jesus Christ. And, friend, in spite of you, in spite of you, God will work through you and in you. It happened in Paul's life when he first got saved, Galatians chapter 1, verses 16 through 17. Listen, Paul just didn't turn into a scholar overnight. The Bible said he went away for some time and communed with neither flesh nor blood. That is, the Holy Spirit began to teach him. Listen, this is great. 
all of the Old Testament scriptures that Paul had learned when he was Saul, all of a sudden, the lights came on. 1 Corinthians 2.14, now he wasn't just a natural man, he was a saved man. And the Holy Spirit empowered all those scriptures. Now, now he was able to skillfully share and put together scriptures. Now he had the power to accomplish, listen, what God had called him to do in Acts chapter 9, that he's going he's to be a lot for me to the Gentiles. And I want to remind you, James 4, 17 says, To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it's sin. And everybody in here this morning, if you've been around the church more four or five times and you've been saved, you know that it is our responsibility and, friend, our privilege to get up every day and to spend time with God in prayer and study of his word. You know that God has commanded the church. That means you, wherever your feet carry you throughout the day, to live on mission, to build relationships, trying to share the gospel. Every parent in here knows that God's going to hold you accountable, not the church, to train your children in the way that they should go. We know so many things, but listen, it's the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that moves us past knowing and moves us to a place of doing. It moves us to a place of doing because, friend, to not do and just to know the Bible says it's sin. It's the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that sets us free from sin's possession over our lives. Luke 6, 46, Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord and don't do the things I say? I want you to listen to me this morning. It is quite possible. Listen to me. It is quite possible that someone in here this morning blasphemed the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as we sung today. You blasphemed the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You sat with a hand raised and an open mouth and praised the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. And you have no intention whatsoever of living for or doing what he's called you to do. That is blasphemy. Jesus said, why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things I do? Friend, it's the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit that sets us free from sin's possession over our life and sets us free to accomplish what God has called us to do. It's only through the Holy Spirit that we're able to do those things. Romans chapter 7, verse 15, Paul says there's, there's a battle that's taking place within the heart and life of every Christian. Ephesians 6, he tells us about the power, not only now that we have, but an armament of which we can stand against Satan, the enemy. In Philippians 4.13, Paul would tell that church, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the power. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ sets me free from sin's possession that I can do. Listen, we're so focused in the church when we talk about sin to think about what we did. But friend, many in the church sin against God by what they don't do. It's not merely about sins of commission. It's sins of omission that the Holy Spirit of God sets us free. But I want to talk about, friend, listen. You may be here today. Listen, an alcohol has gripped your life. You're an alcoholic. You may be here today, and you're a nicoholic. You're addicted to nicotine. You won't put it down. It's very possible someone here this morning is addicted to pornography. You think it's a secret? Friend, God knows about it, and you know about it. It's ruling your life. Some of you are addicted to gossip. You're addicted to social media. 
You are so consumed with the approval of others rather than the approval of God. Some of you, your lives are just marked by bitterness and hatred. There's someone you won't forgive. You say, I can't. Philippians 4.13, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ, who with the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, who strengthens me. Because he lives, you personally can have freedom from sin's possession over your life. You say, well, no, you just, you don't understand. I mean, I've got the gene, and, and, and my mother, now, now she was this way, and I just, I can't, there's, there's just some sins that I can't get over. No, friend, the, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 13, there is no temptation, friend. There is nothing the devil can tempt you to do, friend. Listen, that the Holy Spirit cannot give you victory over. You're not able to bear through the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. Because He lives, you can be free from sin's possession, both to do what God calls you to do and to abstain from what God says you are not to do. And then third, Paul reminded that church, and I remind you of the freedom that we can have one day, praise God, from sin's presence. From sin's presence. Now, while we're here, we're always going to have an enemy that we're going to face. We're always going to have an enemy. The Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And that's what Satan wants to do. Some of you here today, you've never been saved. And Satan right now is trying to, trying to catch your mind and you, have you look here and look there and look here and look there and you're thinking about what's going to happen after and what you're going to have for lunch and really the greatest need that's in your life, friend, is for you to turn from sin and know Christ today and the resurrection power that's going to be found for him to set you free from sin's penalty over your life. Some of you are battling with that because there's an enemy that's speaking to you and trying to confuse you we're always going to, even after you get saved, you're going to have to deal with that enemy. But listen, I've got good news. One of these days, we're never going to have to turn on the news ever again. Somebody say amen. We're never going to have to deal with temptation. We're never going to have to deal with condemnation from sins of the past that are under the blood, but the devil tries to throw back up in front of us. We're never going to have to deal with any physical illness. We'll never hear the word cancer again. Somebody say amen. We're never going to have to hear about any... There'll never be a hearse that we'll see. Nobody's going to pull off on the side of the road while the family carries the dead body of their loved one to a graveyard. None of those things, friend, are ever going to happen because one of these days, friend, we're going to be set free from sin's presence because the Bible promises. Jesus said, I'm going away that where I am, there you may be also. Listen to, what, listen to what Paul has to say in verse number 11 of, of Philippians chapter 3 in our text. He says, if by any means, verse 10 again, he says, I, I, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, be conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain, but literally in the original language he says, not that he's not working for it, he says, but that I may arrive to the resurrection of the dead. Now listen, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul would say, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That means when a believer dies, when a Christian dies, when someone who's repented of their sin and by faith trusted Christ dies, as soon as they draw their last breath, however it is, the Bible promises just like that, their soul is in the presence of the Lord. 
Their body stays here. But their soul goes to be with the Lord. And many different things can happen to that body. But the Apostle Paul will go on to write in 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that one day, now listen, this was a man in 2 Timothy chapter 4 that was going to have his head separated from his body. That's how his soul was going to go to be with the Lord. His head was going to leave his body. But he wrote in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the message of the rapture. It's the promise that one day Jesus Christ at God's appointed time would send his son back for the church. Friend, the Bible promises that he'll turn the stars into a staircase. He'll walk out into the eastern sky in clouds of glory. And to those who were here on the ground, for just a moment, we're going to have to pause. And all those souls that have been with him in eternity, they're going to come back in the meeting, and the Bible says in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, their souls are going to be reunited with wherever their bodies are at, but their bodies are going to change just like that. They're going to be resurrection by the same resurrection power that brought Jesus out of that grave transformed. Friend, listen, it's going to transform these decayed bodies. And listen, I'm not trying to make you feel bad or think bad this morning, but I want you to know, friend, wherever the body of your loved one is today that you're thinking about right now, however you saw them last, if they died in Jesus Christ, listen, I've got good news, good news to share. That's not the way you're going to see them the next time. They're going to be changed by the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Their soul's going to be reunited with their bodies, and then we that remain, we're going up with them. The Bible says we're, we're going up, and we're going to be changed. We're going to be free from sin's presence. We're never going to have to deal with the devil, temptation, heartaches, heartbreaks, physical sickness, nothing that sin brought to this earth. Romans chapter 5, verse 12, because one man sinned in the world and death by sin. None of that's going to happen for him because we're going to be with the Lord for all eternity. And it's only because Jesus Christ lives. It's resurrection power, friend, that's gonna, that, that brought Jesus out of that tomb that's going to pull us up off this earth. We're going to live with him for all eternity. Paul says, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection power, of the dead. Now, don't you remember, friend, listen to me this morning. Pay real close attention these next five minutes. Okay? Pull in with me. This is a man who was brought up religious. He knew everything about church. He forgot more about the Old Testament than you and I will probably ever learn. But prior to Acts chapter 9, if Paul would have died, he'd spend eternity in a place called hell. Because he had never repented and he had never trusted Jesus by faith to be Lord of his life. And he experienced the freedom that he experienced in Acts chapter 9 from sin's penalty. I want to ask you this morning, listen to me. It's a terrible thought, but it's a reality. The Bible says, appointed a man wants to die. Listen! If you died today, where would your soul be? Think about it. If you drew your last breath right now, where would your soul be in eternity? You see, what determines where you go again 
It's not how religious you are, how good you are, but if you've ever repented and trusted Jesus to be Lord of your life. If you've never been set free from sin's penalty, why don't you do that right now? Because He lives, friend, it's Easter Sunday. You can be set free right now. It doesn't matter what you've done, how far you've gone, how old you are, how, how long you've pushed away God. If the Spirit of God's pulling your heart today, convicting you of your lostness and drawing you to salvation, the Bible says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Call upon Him right now. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Just, just simply do that. Don't pack up. Don't move. Just bow your heads and close your eyes. If you answered in your heart, that you know if you died today, you wouldn't go to heaven, you'd be in hell because you've never really turned and trusted Christ to be Lord of your life. Do it right now because, friend, you may never have a chance again. This may be the last opportunity that God ever gives you to experience freedom from sin's penalty. Choose right now just to agree with God that you're a sinner. The Holy Spirit's convicted you of that. I haven't. I can't. I can simply tell you that the Bible says that we've all sinned, all of us. But would you not agree with God? And now would you not confess that and say, Lord, I've done these things. It's my fault. I've sinned against you. But God, I want to turn from the sin that's in my life. And by faith, I want you to be Lord of my life. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the grave. And because you live, I want to experience the power that we've seen in your word today that can set me free from sin's penalty. Now tell him so right now in a simple prayer just like this. Dear God, forgive me a sinner. I confess my sin. I turn from my sin with all my heart. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he rose from the grave. And I'm not asking you to be my Savior. I'm asking you to be Lord of my life. You died for me. Now I'm dying to you. Be Lord of me. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you prayed that prayer this morning, listen. I want you to talk to someone about that this morning so they can encourage you. Brother Brian's going to be over here to your left, to my right. No one's going to see. Our heads are going to be bowed and our eyes are going to be closed when we stand here in just a moment and begin to sing. I want you to step out from where you're going to be standing and move over here to where Brian is. He's going to be over here at the door. There'll be an exit sign right above him. He'll see you coming. He'll meet you. He just wants to encourage you and tell you what God wants to do next in your life. You're here this morning and you say, I know I've been set free from sin's penalty but God's dealing with you about this, be honest. Your life's been gripped again by sin. And it may not be sins of commission. Listen, church, what marks and mars the church more than anything is not sins of commission, it's sins of omission. You're not getting up every day and reading your Bible. You're just too tired. You're not spending time in prayer. Mom and Dad, you're not having family altar with your children. You're not living out that word that you're teaching them. You're not seeking to witness to your neighbor. It may be that there's sin that has gripped your life, an addiction, a habit. You're out of fellowship with God. 
Would you not confess that today? And find that freedom that you once found when you trusted Christ. Maybe tell him so just like this. God, sin, whatever it is for you, God's sin has gripped my life again. I'm your child. God, I remember when I was saved, when I turned and trusted you to be Lord, but sin has gripped my life. I'm out of fellowship. Oh, God, set me free today by the resurrection power that brought you out of that tomb. Set me free again and keep me in freedom, God, as I submit my life to you. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Friend, I know just in daily conversations, many of you are so burdened, even tempted to be bitter of the state of our country, our world, all that's going on. Be encouraged today, friend, because he lives one of these days. We're going to shell out of here, and we're going to be free from sin's presence for all eternity and with the Lord will ever be. And it's not going to be because of me. It's not going to be because of you. It's not going to be because of a president. It's going to be because of a risen Savior because he lives. Worship him today and commit today to finish well. That when he comes for his church, he'll find you faithful. Oh, God, I pray you'll speak to the, these that are gathered today. God, these that are listening online. Whatever the need is in every individual heart and life, Holy Spirit, challenge us, convict us, draw us to your will. And might we bow to it, that your best might be accomplished in our lives. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, and amen. Let's reverently stand to our feet. If you need to talk with someone, you need to pray with someone, Brother Brian will be over here to your left. You step out. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking around. If you need to make a decision, this is the time to do it.